Welcome back to the second episode of Everyday Disciples, where we explore what it means to be a follower of Jesus wherever we are, every day. I'm Matthew Starner, one of the pastors at St. Matthew in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm so glad that you're with us today. Our first episode last week got some good responses, and we're learning a little bit more each week about how to keep fine-tuning this so that we can make it the best it can be to help you and all of our listeners grow as Everyday Disciples. On today's episode, we sit down with Lori Winnicky, our spiritual formation director, and get some guidance on what to do when we disagree with other Christians, something I'm sure we encounter more and more these days, both in person and online. And speaking of online, our second segment, we talk with Aiden Hunt and CJ Jaluso from our student ministries about how culture and faith come together on social media. And finally, we have a resource to recommend that will help you as you read the Bible, whether it's by yourself or with your family or your group. We've got some great stuff ahead. Let's dive in. Well, welcome once again to Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew, and you might have noticed that we're in a time of uh, a lot of division in our world and very polarization uh, of of topics right now, whether that's political stuff, uh, ideologies of all sorts of different kinds. You might find yourself up against uh, people that you used to be, used to consider great friends that now you you realize there's these deep divisions on things. And so today I invited Lori Winnicky, our spiritual formation director, to sit down with us Lori, I know that you've got a number of, of close friendships uh, inside and outside of the church of, with folks who fall on all sorts of different places, on all sorts of different spectrums, political, social, cultural, whatever. And I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit on, on how you handle being close friends with people who, who uh, disagree with you on, on so many different things. Thanks, Pastor Matt. I'm super happy to be here, and I am thankful to have a variety of friends with many different political beliefs, Christian beliefs, um, and I, I would like to talk about that a little bit today. When you asked me to talk about this, I kind of thought, oh, I don't really want to say I'm an expert on this because I have failed in many ways, and I can be happy to share that today too, but I kind of thought back to my childhood, and I think my my dad and my grandpa, although I don't think they realized it at the time, gave a really good example um, of how to disagree even, what's a good word, loudly (laughs) (laughs) Um, at times and still love each other. So growing up, my dad was one completely side and my grandpa, my mom's completely different politically. And I remember my mom even saying sometimes, which I know people say today, which I actually disagree with, like, let's not talk politics, because I think it's important to talk about it with people that you love and people you have relationships with. Uh, But my dad and my grandpa, there were some Christmases, Thanksgiving, even Sunday dinners where um, things would get pretty heated. And I even remember that as a child, like, what is happening? My dad's more of a competitive, loud person, but my grandpa was um, my grandpa who I just loved and easygoing. And so when his voice started to raise or they started to really get in some pretty deep discussions, I remember as kids kind of asking, you know, what's going on? You knew something was up. You yeah. knew something was up. But where I feel like we are different now, and you mentioned the polarization, those two men never talked to us kids never talked to badly about each other to anyone else. They discussed it. They discussed things, uh, weren't afraid to, um, I guess, really express their point. But at the end of the day, 
They never equated or judged or related that to their Christianity, which I think is happening today. Um, and that feels so foreign to hear to hear that, like that they could they could disagree that loudly, yes. uh, that passionately about whatever the topic was, and and yet still respect. Yes, each still other. hug each other goodbye. Yeah. We still worship together as a family. My parents, my mom's parents lived in town with us. My dad would sit next to my grandpa on Sunday morning worship. Um, and they were both faithful Christian men who loved others, loved Jesus, served. And I feel like that's different now. I feel like Christians have become, you can't possibly vote for Biden and be a Christian because you want to kill babies and you can't possibly vote for Trump and be a Christian because you are racist and you don't love immigrants. And that might seem extreme, but that is kind of, I do feel like I'm ha- I'm hearing that more and more. That side doesn't love their neighbor like Jesus does. Where in the 1980s, when these discussions were happening, at least in my family, I saw what it meant to disagree and kind of agree to disagree sometime and still love each other and still have a relationship and still be part of a family together. And I think those were my first, like looking back, I kind of, they just modeled that. What do you think changed there? Do you think it was, um, were the topics that they were disagreeing about as polarizing back then in the 80s? Or is it is it that our, the, the things that we're arguing about, are they more extreme today? Or is it like we've, um, we've, we've incorporated these opinions into our faith in a way that maybe they, maybe we've tried to make them more of a, a central thing than they should be. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I would actually agree with most of those. <laughs> I'm not a political expert by any means, historian or anything like that. But when you look back, um, one of the books I absolutely love, which I highly recommend anyone listening, it's "Love Your Enemies" by Arthur C. Brooks, and he talks a lot about. I mean, we could talk about social media and the news, but. And I feel like it's even that way today, but they're making both political parties seem so extreme and Mm. so different when really I feel like instead of us focusing on all the things we disagree on, what are the things that we can talk about? What are the things that unify us? Um, that we, what are the things we agree on? Um, I have two good friends who would say the other side is completely wrong, completely hurtful, doesn't love everybody, and they both serve at the same ministry downtown, which mm. just kind of makes me, um, you both <laughs> like serve and give, dedicate your time, love others and love Jesus, and yet you would view the other side so harshly. And that's that point when I'm like, we, we need to start talking about this more. Um, and what's happening, in my opinion, is a lot of people are blocking, only listening to people uh, with their own viewpoint. And that is never going to work well. Not just political discussions. I'm sure you've been with, I've been with pastors or served in leadership positions too, where if the leader only surrounds himself with people that think exactly like them, you are going to have a lot of problems because you are not going to grow. And that, I think, is what's happening with Christians, non-Christians. We're siloing ourselves. Right, yeah, you start to start to build that echo chamber around you where you only hear the same thing. And, and um, you know, that, that's, that's rarely ever a good thing, right? Because we, we, we grow and we're challenged a little bit. And even when we, when we encounter something that we maybe disagree with, um, as Christians, I think as we 
as we think through that in a Christ-like way, as we, you know, maybe pray over this, this, you know, differing opinion sort of thing, um, you know, God speaks to our heart. He speaks to us through his word. And I think that's a way that we can grow, but we have to open ourselves up to consider those things. Which I don't think we're doing very well. And I think we're mistaking unity to mean agreement Mm, on everything. And I think that's kind of that you have to agree with everything that I believe in or everything I stand for. And that's just not biblical either. You know, you think about, I mean, I love the Avengers. So, you know, I mean, how boring would the Avengers be if everyone was Captain America and then just a little bit different version of Captain America? And you talk about the body of believers and how we're all different. And I know for me, my good, true friends are the ones that hold me accountable, that are able to disagree with me, that are able to give me a different side or a different take on that. And I'm thankful for that. I think you have to establish a relationship with people to do that. Mm -hmm. And I've seen too many Christians, members that are church friends, just attacking people on social media, people they don't know. Uh, That just doesn't work well. I think in-person conversations is a great way to start. Right. I I think maybe a good rule of thumb there is, you know, the more Uh, what's the word I want to use? The more controversial, the more hot button a topic, the more you need to have that conversation offline rather than online. 100%. Because online, just it's so hard to do it because you're missing something, right? You're missing tone. You're missing yes. like the, the body language of the conversation. It's so easy to, to read into what somebody else has written, even in a, you know, a fairly benign comment or something on Facebook, but read like sarcasm or snark or something oh. into it and think that they're, they're meaning something that they don't. I do that and, all the time. I oh, would totally I, take I do too. the yeah, way, I mean, And that's why you have to ask. In fact, I follow Toby Mac on social media and that actually happened just a couple days ago. People want to check out his account, but it was regarding vaccinations at mm. some of his events. And he posted the next day, uh, the account that started the whole fight was a fake account. It was mm. a fake account meet and 4,500 Christians fought and bickered and argued with each other. And it was just, again, that reminder of what good <laughs> really comes out of online fighting and discussions. Call someone up, text them, private message them. Hey, help me learn. Help me understand Mm. where you're coming from. Because your words, you're making people choose. I think it was in that book, Love Your Enemies. Um, I think he said, I can't remember if his dad was a professor and his mom was an artist in Seattle when somebody wrote, all liberals are evil. And I'm trying to remember what the other word was. All, all liberals are evil and stupid. Mm. And he said, hearing that, that became, that's his parents you're talking sure. about. So even though he must had a different political view, now you're calling his parents stupid and evil. And now we're forcing people to choose people they love or their ideology. And that just, that's never a choice that people should have to make, in my opinion. Um, and how can you learn from people who who view things differently from you? Yeah, I think those are some really important things that you just said there about you know when we have those those divisions to to ask like teach me help me understand. Yes, um, those are those are incredibly 
uh, diffusing words to share with somebody that they don't escalate the situation. They, they help, they help bring some understanding and, and really can foster that unity. Even though we don't agree on the same thing, uh, we could still be brothers and sisters in Christ together. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, I think, for, for the church to remember that, that that's what unites us is Jesus. And, and the other stuff, how we live out our faith in the world, it's going to look different from person to person. We're going to have you know, slightly different spins on things and, and understandings and applications of God's word for our life. And that's where having that conversation face-to-face, I think, is just so important to, to help understand why someone has come to the, the conclusion they did. And you know, maybe it'll help you understand why you're at the place that you're at. Exactly. I know just like theologically, I've, I've appreciated that um, a, a, an issue, a simple issue. Well, it's not simple, but a, a common issue in the church of like, what do we believe about how the world came into being, evolution mm-hmm. or creation oh, yeah. kind of stuff. And so sometimes listening to people who believe a different viewpoint than you helps you understand where they're at. But it also helps me understand, like, okay, this, but this is why I believe what I believe. I, I come away a little bit clearer, even though I've got now a, a broader understanding of what's out there and makes me kind of think about my position a little bit and, and understand that I don't have all the answers either. And, and maybe you did that for them as well. Mm-hmm. And those are the conversations. And it's not something I, I'm, I'm really bad at it right now. And I'm really trying to like actually listen, like kind of like a you're hungry for listening. I think I've heard people say that before where you're actually listening, not automatically just coming coming back with your point because right. you're right and then letting the Holy Spirit like stir on you. I mean, that's literally happened to me and it's not that I'm changing my belief in God's word, changing, you know, the core of who I am. But when you listen to other people and really listen at where they're at, I don't think everything is so black and white. Um, how we make things Christians or non-Christians. I mean, if, probably a lot of people listening today are Christians, but if you, if your whole friend base is just Christians and just people that look like you and just people that vote like you and mm. all that, I try to get to know some other people. And I think you actually have to go to places where people do view things differently than you that, that are different than you. And I think what's happening is we're doing the opposite. Social Dilemma on Netflix shows how social media and all that kind of helps you do that too. Um, people are blocking, you know, defriending people. And I'm not saying there are some people who are toxic. I'm not saying to put yourself in situations. You know, if you're going to respond in an angry way, probably step away right. <laughs> for a little bit. But if we just keep blocking and refusing to listen to anyone that's different than us, I mean, that's not even how our country was founded. And that's just not how things I, just things just never go well. Another podcast I love, which we're probably not supposed to advertise other podcasts, but Rise and Fall of Mars Hills, people. If you have not listened to that, I've listened to it that twice. But listen to, I think, what I've gathered from that is leaders just surrounded themselves with people who never challenged them, who, not, who just agreed with everything, was afraid to disagree, was afraid. And it just doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out. And that's that's why I would challenge people here today too. Absolutely, yeah. That that's never a healthy place to be, where where everybody around you agrees with you. That just yeah. that that's usually a sign that something's wrong. Yeah, out of fear, out of you know, and I've had that with some friendships too, where I was okay. I really think I need to talk about this, but what's going to happen? I've seen what's happened in other ways, um, but in most cases, my approach is 
hey, I'd love to have lunch with you. I'd love to talk to you. Help me to understand. Help me to learn. I really respect, especially in the Christian community, some of my friends who have been maybe more bold on other issues that might not be, what's the word, acceptable in the Christian circles, especially our kids go to Christian schools as well. And help me to understand it. I, I love that you're not afraid to talk about that and help me to understand. And in all cases except one, I've always had people willing to sit down and talk. And I think those are the those are the real people. You know, what we see online, that's not your real everyday people. And I think we have to remember that too. And as Christians, remember we're at fault. <laughs> we're not always right. And loving your neighbor I think is a word that's being tossed around um, without people really, I, I don't know, they're using it kind of both ways. Sure, want to use, like, it, use it almost as a weapon. Yes. Right? And, and, and I don't feel like how, how could we use that, that, that command of, of God, those words of Jesus, to love your neighbor as a, as a weapon against somebody? That, that just that, that feels wrong. Um, so maybe if, that's, if, if you find yourself in that, in that situation, maybe do a, a little bit of a heart check there and see, uh, am, I, am I using this maybe in a way that doesn't actually reflect the spirit of what Jesus is telling us to do there? Because I think you know, loving your neighbor is exactly what you're talking about doing. Is, is I'm not going to sit down and and argue with you, debate with you, to prove my case so that I can argue you across the line now to believe what I believe about whatever the the situation is. But to to sit down and, and value them as a person, value their opinion, see and understand their viewpoint, and uh, and help them feel heard. I do remember uh, coming across this in a in a. Uh, class, a counseling class, actually, but we talked about um, in in terms of, of debating with someone, which I don't think debating is all that helpful. But um, <laughs> like the, I don't remember who it was. Some some philosopher. His his first step to debating about someone is to to be able to um, understand your opponent's position clear enough that you can explain it back to them in a in a satisfactory way. I love and it's that. like you you so to do that like you really have to understand all the aspects of what the person who disagrees with you believes and thinks and and to do that to put in that time and that effort that's huge yeah. and and I think it shows that you value the other person yeah yeah because we can agree to disagree and I think that's the problem is right now there's this whole push that you can't like oh don't disagree don't ruffle feathers don't discuss it don't did, not just politically, just with anything, when that's just not healthy and that's just not really what we're called to do. And I don't know, I kind of challenge everybody to start not being afraid. I'm not that you want a mean-spirited argument, not that you want hurtful comments, but it's okay to disagree and, and what can come from that. Well, as we wrap up our conversation here today, Lori, any, any closing thoughts or concluding thoughts for us on this, uh, this topic of division for me, concluding thoughts. Number one, try to get to know people who don't think, who don't act, who don't go to your church, who don't vote like you. Really try to get to know them. And that might be coming out of your comfort circle. That might be really actually going to places that just feel different than you would normally go. Talk to people. Try to start forming those relationships or getting to know people. For me, a big one and a big change that I've been trying to do is I heard Greg Finke speak, uh, pastor of the dwelling 
at Dwelling 114. I just love him and a lot of what he says. And it was a good reminder for me that I don't have to, it's not my job to redeem, restore people, save people. Our job and our commands from Jesus was pretty simple, to just love God and love others. And I feel as Christians, sometimes we're trying to do things that are way above our pay grade. God was smart enough to send Jesus <laughs> to do the saving, to do the forgiving. So we just have to love God and love others. It doesn't mean, again, I know people say, oh, you're too soft or you're you're giving up your beliefs. That's not at all what I'm saying. But my job is not to correct people. My job is not to judge people. And I think if we can keep focusing on that and just loving people, truly loving your neighbor um, for who they are, because Jesus truly loves your neighbor. He doesn't love Republicans. He doesn't love Democrats more. And I think when we can start seeing people through Jesus's eyes and how he would treat people, I think that's important for us. And this is something that I I mean, I didn't even really want to talk today, to be honest, <laughs> because it's something that I'm struggling with. I know that I haven't always used words in a Christ-like way. Um, but I think it's a good reminder, no one is fixed yet. And if we truly, if Lutherans, if we truly believe it's all about grace, that we are saved by grace, which is the whole reason I love being a Lutheran, there's not a grace but. Right. Grace if. We're all saved by grace. And so I think that's just a... A good reminder for me too. Yeah, I thank you for sharing that, Lori. And, and I think um, you know that that even makes you a, a really good person to, to talk about this because you're you're in that struggle just like all of us are. We're, we all struggle with that. And if anybody thinks that they don't struggle with loving their neighbor, um, they maybe need to, to look a little bit closer, <laughs> pay a little closer attention to their life because because I think we all at some at some level we all struggle with our neighbors. And we got to remember, love your neighbor, love God. And keep Jesus, keep the main thing the main thing, and the other stuff will work itself 100%. out. And, and if you're not struggling with loving your neighbor, you're probably siloing yourself to everyone that looks like you. That would be my, if, if you're getting along and totally agree with every single person around you, go meet a new friend. Great advice. So thanks for sitting down with us, Lori. Really appreciate it. And I hope you've enjoyed this conversation too. If you've listened in as we talked about Christians uh, disagreeing with one another in a healthy way. Welcome back. I'm Pastor Matthew Sterner and uh, for another segment here of Culture and Faith. Today, talking about social media. And I've got quite a crew gathered with me today uh, to talk about social media. Um, first off, my name is CJ Jaluso. I'm a volunteer here at St. Matthew. I help out with the production, the sound side, and with the youth group. My name is Aiden Hunt, and I work with the high school ministry here at St. Matthew. And today we wanted to talk just a little bit about uh, how our faith and culture intersect uh, in the world of social media. So I gathered you guys together because I think you this is a uh, diverse group around here. We represent a couple different generations. We represent different uh, what patterns and stuff online. And so today we're going to just talk about how our, our faith and social media comes together. Uh, with, with social media, it is a, uh, a, it's a great tool, but one that can also, especially as we've seen in the last, what, several years, um, starts to be a bit of a divisive thing, right? We can, we can use it or we can abuse it. And so maybe just let's let's kind of kick it off going around the, the circle here. Um, what are some ways, some good things that you've seen come out of social media use? Um, some of the good things I've seen come out of social media is 
like a, a broader outreach of the church, the church and kind of pastors and messages. God can use social media in good ways. Um, but we also see the retrospect of that, kind of the other side. I, I love the the connectivity we have through social media. Like, for example, I live here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and yet because of, of social media and because of, of technology in general, I'm able to, uh, you know, receive pictures of my niece and nephew in California on a daily basis. And I can listen to a soccer podcast hosted by two British guys who live in Germany. And then I can also, like, Venmo my friend who lives in Virginia and give him money. And they're like, hey, cup of coffee on me today. Like, that's incredible how connected we can be with people who are so far away. So that's, I think, a huge, huge benefit of technology. The connectivity thing is huge. Um you know, I, I've been able to connect with people who, uh, even family members that I've never actually met, um, found some family members who we, we did the, uh, you know, messaging back and forth to figure out how we were related. And uh, that was super cool to, to make those connections. And so, yeah, it's a, it is a, it's a crazy tool that who would have thought, like, especially, you know, we think of uh, the folks in the Bible times, the tools that we have at our disposal right now to share the faith. So, you know, CJ mentioned um, the way churches use social media for, like, St. Matthew uses it for putting our services out there. And we have um, our Facebook page and this podcast, was, this podcast was started in order to help share tools and resources with with not just St. Matthew, but with the, the whole church body, right. body of Christ in general. And, and, and yeah, we have people who are connected to St. Matthew who don't even live around us, people who live in other states, which is kind of amazing. Um, I'm always humbled when I, when I see those folks commenting on Facebook and engaging in things. It's, it's amazing uh, that people have, have connected with us in that way. And so it's a, it is a great tool. Um, but the other downside to that is it's full of people and if we know anything about people, people are sinners, all of us, you know, around this table included. And uh, when you get, give people a platform and you give them an opportunity to share their, their deepest, most intimate thoughts and feelings and opinions um, that in generations past would have maybe only been shared between like a, a spouse uh, relationship or a real close friendship, when you can now put that out there for the public to just see and engage with, um, it, that it seems like it, it creates an opportunity for people to uh, um, misuse that or turn it into a soapbox, right? I think we've all, we've all seen that in, in recent years. Yeah, and absolutely. Something I've also noticed is that social media can be used as like a, an extension of yourself. That's kind of how I see it. And so basically, how do I want the world to see me? Um, the people interacting me on an everyday basis know kind of who I am, what's in my heart, but on social media, I can pour my, portray myself however I want. So I could almost kind of do like a false image of myself and act like I'm this amazing guy on social media, but in retrospect, you really don't get that, that trueness. And I think that brings on shame in some people's hearts a bit. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed in, I mean, just my time as a, as a Christian and someone who, whose generation Gen Z is so deeply impacted by social media. Um, there, there's a few things we can, we can talk about because the, the Bible doesn't say anything directly about technology or social media. It's one of the many, you know, topics that we can't turn to, you know, uh, one of Paul's letters and be like, this is how you should use social media as a Christian. Cause they did not have any, anything like this, um, back then. 
But I think social media has a lot to do with, uh, you know, things that the Bible does talk about, things like identity, things like um, the words we use and the way that we speak about others, the way that we view ourselves and the way we speak about, about God. And so I think when our generation, I mean, me and CJ are part of the same generation, and, and Matthew and Adam, you're, I think, part of the same one as well. I think our generations use them slightly differently, um, but in ways that we're starting to see all of the impacts that they have, especially on, on in terms of identity. I think identity is the big, the big hitter when it comes to how social media is not only impacting us, but really shaping us and forming us as well. Um, and I work with high schoolers, and so social media is not only something that I have to know how to use well, but it's something that I, I see the impact it has on, on the people I work with and, you know, the, the kids that I get to interact with. And it's, it's getting bleak. It's getting scary how much, first of all, time we spend on social media. I say we because I am a victim of it as well. I mean, we talked about our screen times today during Sunday school, and I was not the lowest one in the room. Like, yeah, and CJ wasn't either, and it was, like, not close either. We also weren't the worst. Some, there was one 10-hour. Uh, we're not going to say who. Um, but 10 hours of your day spent on your phone and <laughs> Adam's jaws on the on the floor. Um, but yeah, I think we, we see social media the way that we portray ourselves, the way that other people portray themselves. And comparison is just something that comes naturally with social media, especially in those formative ages, teenage years, young adult years, you know, and in your 20s and your 30s, you're constantly comparing yourself to people you know well, like your friends and your family, but you're also comparing yourself to people you have you've never met before, um, and you and you start to envy their life and covet what they have and what you don't, and you know look at the way that they look versus the way that you look, and and self-esteem impact can can come out of that. And I think one of the things I've tried to kind of remind a lot of people is that social media, as it tries to form and shape our identities, our identity is still so rooted in Christ and rooted in the fact that we are made in the image of God and. And that is is who we are first, foremost, and always. Right. Yeah, it's it's so easy to tie up all of your value, all of your worth as an individual in how many likes you get, how many you know, people are sharing your stuff, how viral you get um, with a post that you have, or whether or not you're a, a verified account. Um, you're verified in the eyes of Jesus. I mean, to, to sound a little bit trite, but, uh, you know, it's... That's not where our identity comes from. It, it, we gotta, we gotta remember who we are and whose we are, and um, you know all of those social media platforms, the ones that we have today, and the ones that we can't even think about that are coming in the future. Um, they are, they're all tools. And so I think as Christians, maybe one of the things that we want to think about is like how do we, how do we wisely use this tool? Um, it's, I remember when, when, um, you know, Facebook was first taken off and, and people were talking about like, would, would Jesus use Facebook? And I think that's a silly question to ask. Um, you know, in part, it's a little bit like saying, would Jesus use a hammer? You know, it's a tool. Um, sure. Jesus would probably use Facebook. He'd use it better than any of us would. I think he would, he would use it well. Um, and so we want to think like, how would Jesus use Facebook? What would he do differently than maybe the rest of us and, and Facebook or whatever platform we're on? Um, how would Jesus use social media, um, you know, in a Christ-like way? How do we use it that way? That brings on a whole series of questions. Um, I mean, would he post his miracles, the videos of his miracles on Facebook? Would he just post scripture on Facebook? Would he, would he, 
talk about his disciples, post selfies with him and his disciples mm-hmm. on Facebook. Would he, would he post his quiet time in the morning? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Hanging yeah. with God, and it's like a picture of his open Bible and like a cup of coffee and like the sun. So, so would Jesus humble brag? Is that what you're saying? I have no idea. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Like like, like yeah, yeah 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 like <laughs> like you said Matthew like he would definitely use it much better than all of us right I don't think Jesus would be as addicted to social media as we are right. that's for sure right I think well so we can talk about the the uh, you know chemical reactions that happen with social media so like when social media users receive positive feedback either likes or retweets or reactions or comments or anything like that. Um, your brain fires off a dopamine receptor. Now, we usually think of dopamine as like the pleasure hormone, but that's not technically true. It's more like dopamine causes more wanting than it does liking or like pleasure. So therefore, increased dopamine is one of the factors in drug addiction because, you know, drugs such as cocaine, amphetamines, and stimulants, they increase dopamine levels in your brain. So the more of it that you have, the more you need for that same feeling. And the same, so the same chemical that is fired off in your brain when you use cocaine and drugs, it is the same one that goes off when you receive positive feedback on social media. It's jarring to say the least. So we're being, like I said, formed and shaped by the feedback we receive from social media and how it makes us feel. And so the more we use it, the more we need it as well. And so when we think of the addictive qualities of social media and how do we steward our, our social media well as followers of Jesus, I think it starts with understanding that you should probably set limits to how you how you use it, both in what you use it for and how often you use it, how much time you spend with it. I think that's probably a good starting point to, to kind of de-shaping our lives from, from, the, from social media. And that's something that I think it, everyone's going to have to look at that for themselves, right? You know, the, the, it, just like you know, when we talk about uh, you know, other addictive things like alcohol, for some, what's the saying? Um, you know, for someone who struggles with alcohol, uh, one drink is too much, but a thousand is never enough, you know, kind of thing. Um, you know, if you, if you really struggle with addictive things, if you have that addictive personality, um, you know, maybe you really need to limit your time that you spend online. Um, for others who maybe don't have as big of an issue with that, you know, maybe allow yourself a little bit more leeway with that. But you're going to have to prayerfully kind of make that decision. What's an what's a appropriate limit for you? And as parents, um, you know, what's an appropriate limit for your child at whatever age they happen to be at, um, and, then, and then stick to that as a parent. I think another good tip would be try to portray yourself in a real way. Um, don't act like a perfect person on social media. Um, I don't. We're all broken. We're all sinners, and we all need Christ. Um, and I fear that that's when people start getting the wrong image of who they are, finding their self-image not in God, um, is when they start comparing themselves to other people. And we have to remember that these people are only posting their good things, typically. I mean, somebody's not doing a Facebook status with a big picture on their worst day ever. Typically, it's their day at the beach. And so even sometimes, those, those pictures are edited, and, and so we can, we can find a lot of, a lot of lies in that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that Social media is not an accurate portrayal of anybody's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. So not only should you not pretend like your life is perfect on social media, I think it's important to remember that nobody else's is either. And we can often get caught up in that we see everybody's lives and the things they're doing and the experiences they have. And we can look at them and be like, oh, their life is so great. And, you know, there probably are really wonderful things about their life, but they don't have a perfect one. There are things that are going on that you aren't going through and that you, you know, 
can't even imagine. Um, and the same thing, like we have wonderful things going on in our lives, but also there are some things that we struggle with and we don't want other people to have to, first of all, see those things. But we also don't want those people to have to struggle with them as well. Right. Yeah. You're seeing the highlight reel yeah. um, from everybody's life for the most part. Uh, one of the other dangers, I think, of social media um, as you as you gain, you know, more as you have that like community on there, you've got followers, whatever the platform calls it. Um, it can kind of lead to and this is a thought that I'm having for the first time. So this isn't one that I've, I've written down here before. Um, so just bear with me. But it, it leads to, I think, a false sense of community. Um, in those settings because you're you're interacting with people but it's it's not a real interact it, I don't want to say it that way it, it is a real interaction but it's different from interacting one-on-one in like a personal close intimate way with another human being or a group of human beings um, you want to you want to be careful with that false community that you don't like you know get too vulnerable on it, I guess. Um, you know, there, there, there should be some healthy limits of things that we don't put out for the world to see. It feels like it's maybe just my followers who might see this. Um, but when it's out there, it's out there, you know, it's, it's public and and we, we want to want to maintain those healthy boundaries, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Um, you know, recognize that those are those numbers of the likes and followers and stuff, they're people. Um, but it's a different relationship than like, say, your small group at church, which everybody, we want to encourage them to be in a small group at church where it is that kind of close, um, kind of closed off personal connection that you have, ongoing connection that you have with people in real life. That's not to say that you couldn't have some form of that online, uh, but maybe just you know, being aware of this is out there for the world. Be careful the kinds of stuff that you put out there um, about yourself. Yeah, because once it's out there, it's out there. You know, it can be a very vulnerable place, social right. media. And we've seen people, you know, celebrities and high profile people get taken down by the stuff that they post online. And 10, 12, 15 years ago, you know. Right. Yeah. Th- things from long in the past that can come back and, and haunt you. I think one of the other things, too, maybe to think about in terms of uh, kind of going along with what CJ said a a moment ago of, you know, how you post um, online and and how would Jesus post online? I kind of wonder, would would Jesus post about himself a whole lot? I kind of think he probably wouldn't post a ton about himself, but maybe more about what God's doing, the kingdom. He would point to that sort of stuff, maybe. You know, we're we're guessing here because... Because I don't know, I'm not Jesus' social media manager, um, his publicist. But uh, can you imagine the job of being Jesus' publicist? Oh, oh, I think I think maybe Peter wanted to do that. You know, he was always kind of the spokesman for the group, and Jesus often was saying, "Nobody, calm down." Um, But but I think that uh, you know Jesus would maybe be posting a little bit less about, "Hey, look at this thing that I did," um, and maybe more about like, "Hey, look at what the kingdom is doing. Look at what God's doing. Look at what the people of God are doing." Uh, now, certainly Jesus is a part of that and connected to that, and um, you know, so maybe in our own lives, the stuff that we post, maybe maybe trying to use it a little bit more for the kingdom, in terms of posting about what God's doing, um, rather than like we joked about earlier, the humble brag kind of thing, um, you know, the, the good thing that I just did. What's, what's God doing? Point out those things. Uh, I think those are, are huge. Yeah. And if we, if we hold to really believing that everything we do should be done in worship to God, I think 
having that mindset of like, before I post this on social media, like, is this glorifying God in some way? Um, does this point to him? Now, maybe not directly. Like, I'm not, and we're also not saying, like, should you throw your phone away and delete all social media? That's not what we're saying. I mean, you can do that if that's what you feel like you're you're supposed to do. Um, but, like, you're allowed to post pictures of your grandkids on social media or, like, you and your boyfriend at, you know, whatever. Like, those are good things. Or like, that delicious meal that yeah, you got that, in front of you that or, just is, Or you that know. concert you went to. Like, these yeah. are things you we are, like, you should share. Like, highlight reels are okay because you want to tell people the good things of your life. But I think it's important for us to remember, like, not all parts of our lives are good. Um, and not everything in our life is going to be perfect. And not everything in everybody else's life is going to be perfect. Um, but, yeah, have that mindset of, it, is me posting this done in detriment to myself, in detriment to other people? Is it in detriment to my relationship with the Lord? Or is it glorifying him? Is it showing, uh, you know, the good things that he has provided me with? Is it, you know, this really good meal? Like, we can thank God because good food is part of the design. <laughs> that God made good food for a reason. Um, so we can share that with people. That's an okay thing to do. Right. Every verse does, or every verse, every post doesn't have to be a Bible verse, right? No. Um, you know, we can, we can be genuine. We can post about ourselves and our life. And, um, but yeah, I like that, you know, doing it in a, in a Christ-like way that honors people. Um, man, if, if everybody did that second one that you said, if that doesn't like hurt other people, the internet would be just a tremendously different place right now. Right. Cause there's so much of that tearing each other down. And that's not what we should be about. And social media is a spot to connect, you know, connect with friends maybe that you've you've known and lost touch with over time or don't see much. So it's okay to post about that new job that you got. But maybe instead of, you know, I look at all this hard work that I did for my new job, maybe, hey, you know, um, I put the work in and God blessed me with a with an opportunity. And so maybe just even changing the thought process before posting. Well, I think that's maybe a good place to wrap this up that, uh, you know, we, we didn't solve all the problems of the social, social media world, but, uh, you know, posting in a Christ-like way, posting in a way that uh, isn't, isn't going to tear ourselves or others down, um, you know, things that are, are, are positive, not argumentative. I think those are, those are great ways that we can represent Jesus and his church on our own social media platforms. So thanks, guys. Appreciate the, the input here, and I look forward to doing this again the next time we talk about culture and faith together. Hey guys, Pastor Matthew here with uh, just one quick resource that I wanted to leave you with today. As you're reading your Bible, you might find yourself kind of wondering, you know, I, I read the paragraph or I read the the chapter, whatever portion I'm, I'm reading, what do I do now? How do I dig into this a little bit more? And I want to share with you this, it's really, on our website, it's a book, a bookmark that we've got, but uh, there's, there's actually a, a whole book about this, but it's called The Seven Arrows of Bible Reading. And it's a simple little tool that you can use, whether you're doing your reading by yourself, with your family, small group, whatever of a way to just sort of dig into the text a little bit. And as you'd imagine, there's seven different arrows on this little bookmark that that each one prompts us to kind of ask a different question about the text that we just read. What does this passage say? What does this passage mean to its original audience? What does it tell us about God? How does this teach us about humanity? How does this change the way I relate to people? How does it prompt me to pray? And what does it demand of me? It's a great way to just, especially for those passages of scripture that maybe you've read a bunch of times and you feel like you know it, to to slow down 
pause and reflect on God's word and, and dig into that a little bit deeper so we can apply that to our lives. We're going to drop a, a link to this on our website in the show notes, and uh, but you can also just find it by Googling the, the seven arrows of Bible reading. And I hope this is a, a, another useful tool for you as you are being a disciple every day. Thanks for listening in today on all these great conversations. We'd love to hear from you as we continue this journey together. If you could rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would help us out and help others find us. And if there's a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can email us at media at stmatthewgr.com. Thanks for listening and keep following Jesus together as we become everyday disciples.